Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. We got a special episode today. We have Robert Wensley with InvestorLift and Robert flew in from Northern Virginia to talk about how he's helped multiple wholesalers scale to seven figure months. And we have a huge announcement today. So please watch the whole episode to hear what we're announcing. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer for some of the top wholesalers in the country. And I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. One question I get all the time is how do I become one of the 100 millionaires? Information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you will take consistent action, I promise you will become one. If you want to get there faster, send me a message on Instagram and we'll see if we can help you. And if you get value today, please tag it from below, share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show. So please ask your questions for Robert to answer. You ready? We're going to break the internet. We're going to break the internet. Let's, Let's go. Let's change the game. We're going right. to live up to the name Real Estate Disruptors today. <laughs> oh, we're definitely going to change hour. the game. Hell yeah. So the first question is, what got you into real estate? Good question. Actually, to answer that question, I think it's better to back up a little bit to um, talk a little bit about what I was thinking about doing before real estate. Yep. I wasn't originally planning on being in real estate. I remember when I was growing up, uh, I had a friend's dad who like had like Ferrari, Lamborghini, like the first Nissan GTR ever Ooh. in Canada. Oh, those GTRs. Oh, so sexy. sexy. Yeah. So sexy. Rolex watches, everything. He had all this money. <laughs> Got some tunes going. What the heck? Background music. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Love it. We just need some background music. <laughs> But yeah, anyways, so I'm like, hey, what do you do? He's like, I'm an investment banker. I'm like, how do I do that? He's mm -hmm. like, work really hard in school, get really good at math, go to a top university, preferably Harvard, and then go work on Wall Street. Yeah, go so, to Harvard, work so on I'm Wall like, Street. Okay, yeah. simple. That's the plan. Yeah. So I worked my ass off, got into Harvard, uh, did economics and finance, and funny story, I actually uh, got a dorm assignment. I got Mark Zuckerberg's dorm room. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, huge. Kirkland H33. And I'm sitting there like sleeping in the same bed that uh, Mark Zuckerberg created Facebook and like sitting at the same desk. 10 years after actually, he actually found it exact on the exact date, 10 year anniversary. I was sitting there in that dorm room. I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, all my friends that went to work on Wall Street, they all hate their lives. They're working 100 hour weeks. I was doing summer internships, working in finance, uh, trying to do the whole Wolf of Wall Street thing. Wall Street thing, you know, cold calling people, hey, give me money, give me money. And uh, I hated it. I'm like, I'm gonna work my ass off to go make a bunch of rich people a few million dollars more and maybe make 100K a year. And I'm actually watching, uh, you know Tarek Musa's show, Flip or Flop on HGTV? Of course, who doesn't? Yeah, so I'm like, man, all these guys that really became successful coming out of Harvard, they didn't go work on Wall Street. Some of them did, but most of them started their own businesses. Most of them dropped out, <laughs> yep. you know? So, uh, you know, it's a few months before graduation. I'm like, I'm watching this flipping show. I'm like, man, this guy, he makes like 50 or 100K per deal. It doesn't look that hard. If I could just figure out how to do that and do one or two deals, I could make just as much money as I would coming out of school, working on Wall Street and not have to work slave away for 100 hours a week. So uh, completely dropped all my plans, rejected all my job offers. Like two weeks before graduation, it was like, I'm gonna become a house flipper. But you got some really impressive offers. What were some of those offers you got? Uh, so one of the companies I was talking to, of course, is like Goldman Sachs. So like I could have been working for Goldman Sachs, but actually it's funny. The guy that I, I, I did the, the interview with at Goldman Sachs, he said, I'll give you a job 
but you shouldn't take it. I said, why? He said, you should go start your own business. And that's actually really, that one phone call was what really solidified it. He offered me the job, but he said, by the way, you shouldn't take it. Why? He said, you're gonna grind. And I'll tell you what, he was also from Harvard. Mm-hmm. He said, all my friends that were really successful, they, like the guys that went to finance, whatever, we make a lot of money, we drive nice cars, we have nice houses, but we all hate our lives. Mm-hmm. My friends that went and started their own businesses, they made way more money and enjoy their lives a lot more. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. So I wonder, is that something? Because, you know, when you go work at uh, Zappo, Zappos. Yeah. Right. They're like, you go through the whole interview process. Yeah. They'll bring you in. And right when they make the offer, by the way, I'll pay you $2,000 not to take this job. Yeah. I wonder if this kind of that. I think it was more honest because I connected with him through the alumni directory. Yeah. And like was trying to get like mentorship and stuff from mm-hmm. him. You got know? it, yeah. So I think it was more honest feedback. I still got to reach out to him to thank him for that advice. Yeah, that's the huge. best advice. That's huge. Okay, so go work for yourself. Yeah, can you imagine what my parents are thinking right now? <laughs> yeah, not not very excited. This is like a few weeks before graduation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to work in finance. I'm going to become a house flipper and work for some. Well, originally I was thinking I'm going to go do deals on my own. Yeah. So I'm just like going on Craigslist and like, you know, there was like, I don't even think Zillow was out back then. But like, mm-hmm. there was like, I didn't know how to find off market deals. So I'm right. going to find a deal. But then it's like two days before graduation. I'm like, oh man, I'm in shit. And you know, my parents are calling, my grandparents are calling, what are you thinking? You're throwing your life You're away. You're throwing your life away. This is so stupid. And I'm like, no, 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 trust me, I'm going to make this work. But I was on a lot of pressure. You know, like, yeah. I had student loan payments kicking six months after graduation. So I'm like, how much in student loans? Oh man, I probably had like 180,000. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, because we see like people that come in that are like, uh, most of the people that get into this business um, are disenfranchised. They're yeah. like, you know, the, the traditional system doesn't work for me, right? right? Whether through some decisions that, uh, some poor decisions that are made in the process, uh, the socioeconomic background, whatever, yeah. there were things that made it hard for, for them to succeed. Yeah. Right. And so they get disenfranchised and they become, on, they will work for themselves, which is a, a huge blessing. Yeah. That's not you. You had the the traditional like, go to school, get get good grades, go to a, a esteemed college, yeah, and then have this fairy tale ending of making six figures on day one. Yeah, but it wasn't gonna be fun. It wasn't gonna I be just fun. want to have fun, right? You know. So I think that's. But there's, it's easy to look look at that as like, oh, you know, like you had it easy, but you decided to go grind instead. Yeah, yeah. So what I realized really quickly is okay. I don't know the business. I haven't been able to find a deal yet. I don't have any money and I don't know what I'm doing. So maybe what I should do is go like sign up for some courses. So, but I had no money. So, and all these courses were really expensive and I still need money for like rent and stuff. So I'm like, okay, I know what I'll do. I'll go find someone that's really successful in this business and go work for them for three years. I'll tell them that going in. Yeah. And I'll learn the entire business in three years, pay my bills, get some traction. And after three years, I'll quit and go. And I love this because I actually did a live the other day. And they're like, well, how do I go tell someone? Like, what do I tell them? Like, why why they should hire me? It's like, be honest with them. Because I actually yeah. had someone that said, what do you, where do you see yourself? Like, why are you working with me? It's like, because I want to learn everything you do. You're competing against you. It's like, okay, yeah. it works, works for me. If you give me a year. <laughs> yeah. Works for me. Yeah. Most, right? I mean, most people <laughs> in this business last less than a year. Yeah. Like the churn rate is insane. Right. So you told them upfront three years. Yeah. So I started cold calling flippers, mm-hmm. like just like going on Google, top page of Google. Okay. House flipping company, house flipping. 
you know, Excel spreadsheet, all their phone numbers, figuring out who the CEOs were, looking them up on LinkedIn, finding their cell phone numbers, basically like skip tracing CEOs mm -hmm. and started cold calling them, making them this pitch. Yeah. And of course, most people didn't respond at all. Um, one guy uh, responded who I, well, I really wanted to get this one guy responded because he looked like he was like the most successful of all the ones I was reaching out to. I'm like, I really want to put a lot of effort on this one. And that was Brad Chandler. Yeah. Uh, Huge respect Homewares. for Brad. He's Huge respect insane. For yeah. Such a visionary. And I said, I didn't pitch him on, hey, can you hire me for a job? I said, can I come? I'm thinking about getting into the business. Can I do an informational interview mm -hmm. with you? And he's like, full disclosure, I'm not hiring right now, but I would be happy to jump on a call with you and talk to you about the business. So I talked to him for a while and he gave me a lot of tips, a lot of pointers. And then at the end of the call, you know, I'm not like pushing and asking for a job. He says, you know what, why don't you come by? I'm not hiring now, but why don't you come by the office tomorrow and talk to my COO? Mm -hmm. So I came in and sure enough, they created a job, a sales job actually for me. Yeah. And I did that for one day and I'm sitting there behind the computer looking at all their convoluted duct tape together systems. And after the first day, Brad calls me in his office, he's like, how'd things go? I'm like, your tech sucks, <laughs> but I can fix it. <laughs> so you so go into sales in day one. He's like, yeah, this, this, whatever you have right now, this isn't, this isn't working. Yeah, I'm like, I could make you, I could do sales for you mm -hmm. and maybe make you a few hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Or I could work developing your business, working on your business and mm -hmm. maybe make you a few million dollars a year. Yeah. He's like, okay, done, what do you need? Yeah. So how was that journey? So I didn't ask for a lot. I asked for $500. Mm -hmm. And I went on Upwork.com and I found an Indian programmer who had already built some stuff for other investors. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, I got to like make the most of this 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. So I found a guy who had already built some stuff that did like 80% of what I needed to do. Yeah. I'm like, if I give you 500 bucks, can I buy this code base, get it installed on a server, and can you do a couple tweaks to it? Yeah. So I did the deal with him for 500 bucks, launched it in like a week. He'd been working on it for like six months yeah. for some other company or whatever. And, but he plugged it in. And to be honest, it was a piece of junk. But it was like he put it in an address and pops open like street view and pulls mm -hmm. in the Zillow data and like some basic stuff. But it showed that like, hey, you give me a tiny little bit of amount of money and look what I can do with it. Yeah. So you're proving value. You're showing value yeah. to Brad at this time. Yeah. Okay. And then what happened after that? Yeah, so we were flipping uh, super aggressively. Uh, one of the things that we really tapped into early on was uh, SEO. Like mm -hmm. SEO today is like impossible. But back then, uh, Google had just acquired YouTube and I had some friends at YouTube that gave me kind of a tip off that, uh, you know, Google just acquired YouTube. They're gonna be pushing video really hard. So uh, anything you do on video is gonna start. When was this approximately? This is like, uh, 2015 probably. Okay. Yeah. So we started recording videos of like, you know, like the same video over and over with like every different city. Um, are you looking to sell your house in Covina, California? We buy houses in Covina and like mm -hmm. building out the website and, um, doing all that to just blow leads through the roof. So, mm -hmm. uh, we started getting thousands and thousands and thousands of leads, maybe tens of thousands of leads. And the business just blew up. We were doing, I remember at the peak, we were doing 60 flips at a time. Wow. Can you imagine 60 flips at a time? I can't, I can't imagine the brain damage and, and the stress uh, of experience of 60 flips at a time. Yeah. But that's me. I'm not a, I'm not a great flipper. So yeah. But you know how much money we're making? Probably a lot. No, pretty much. I think probably zero. I mean, yeah. I didn't see the finances, but it was getting pretty rough. It was getting yeah. to the point where I'm like, 
by Christmas that first year, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if the business was still going to be around in January. Yeah. And so I'm like, man, I'm a stupid idiot. I turned down, like, you know, potentially working at Goldman Sachs, worked for a small little business, yeah. and I'm going to be out of work. <laughs> and my family's going to be like, we told you. Yeah. You didn't listen to us. And option number one was public embarrassment with my family and friends mm-hmm. having to go grovel back to these companies hopefully get a job in the mail room yeah <laughs> that was option number one or option number two was to try to fix it mm-hmm. and um it so happened that over christmas break my f- friend justin winters um I don't, do you know justin winters uh Where's i can't that like max maxwell he had built this oh he's the one that built out uh max's platform yeah yeah, yeah. he had built out some like wordpress thing for like selling deals and mm-hmm. I started diving into our data sets and I saw this like cluster of deals where like the we whenever we took down a property, we'd put our estimated profit and then after we did the deal, we would put down the actual profit. And you know, I've been doing a lot of data science classes. So I'm looking at the data. Luckily we had like 10 years of data and I'm like, the more flips we do, the less money we make. Mm-hmm. However, there's this cluster of deals, like this anomaly where like the estimated and actual profit are the same. Like, what's going on there? And Brad's like, Dad, don't pay attention. Those are just the wholesale deals. I'm like, wholesale deals? What the hell is that? Yeah. And he explains wholesaling to me. I'm like, mind blown. Yeah. Like th- my first reaction is, there's no way this is legal. <laughs> That's a very common reaction. Yeah. yeah. He's like, no, there is. I'm like, wait, so you're basically creating options contracts. I have a background in finance. I'm mm-hmm. like, you're creating options contracts mm-hmm. on houses yeah. without having to put any of your own capital down. And you can flip those option contracts and make tens of thousands of dollars without putting any of your own capital in or ever swinging a hammer. It's like, yeah. Why don't you just do just that? Yeah. It seems like a no brainer. Like, oh, no, no, no. We would leave half the money on the table. I'm like, no, that's not true because you could do way more deals. A lot of the deals that we have a very tight buy box, mm-hmm. a lot of the deals we couldn't take down, other people would be happy to take down. Yeah, the velocity. And your cash conversion cycle is going to go from six to 12 months down to like, you know, 60, 90 days. Yeah. And I modeled out basically a roadmap of uh, how we could go from where we were, which was like, oh my God, is the business gonna survive to a million dollars a month? Pitched it to them. January, we come back into the office and Brad announces, hey guys, no more construction. We're going 100% wholesaling. Yeah. And that's kind of like the evolution. I was actually um, was at a conference yesterday, uh, IMN, and yeah. uh, my good buddy Dominic Felix was there, and they were yeah. asking like, "What do you do, right, as a to adjust as a flipper?" It's like wholesale. Yeah, wholesale. <laughs> Just get good at finding. Just get good at wholesaling. It's the yeah. most beautiful business in the world. You know, yeah. like a, a lot of our top teams are getting ten x return on ad spend. So we plug a dollar in, we get ten back, and we mm-hmm. do that in sixty days. Yeah. You think about the top hedge funds in the world, if like Ray Dalio maybe gets 20% return. That's like insane. You, yeah. He won't even take your money. They get 20% right. a year. We get 10X in 60 days. It's yeah. the most beautiful business I've ever discovered in my life. I fell in love with it. So you discovered or you guys transitioned to wholesaling and then... 100%. That, that was a little bit of a process because most of the team was on construction. Oh, so there are a lot of people that had to be let go. Well, the good thing was it was kind of... They did kind of a merger with another company that was a construction company, but they never really finalized it. So it was like kind of like, okay, you guys are going to branch off and do your own thing. And But we went from like maybe like 40 people in the office to like 10. Mm-hmm. But then within a f- few months, we were like pushing towards million-dollar months. Gotcha. And then how long were you guys doing that? Uh, the or how, how much longer did you work? Uh, so that was... 
I probably stayed, I stayed there for three years. And after three years, you know, I did the d deal with Brad. I said three years and then I'm going to leave and do it on my own. Um, and I, I was grinding for those three years. Mm -hmm. I, I remember times where like to get home from, from the office during traffic would be two hours. So I'd be like in traffic two hours. So sometimes I'd just stay late at the office. I'd be working until like 1 a.m. And then, then it was only a 45-minute commute home. But mm -hmm. I was like grinding, 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 trying to scale things up. Um, we made millions and millions and millions of dollars. It was worth it. But I was burnt out. So after that, I left and I started a data company, actually. It had nothing to do with real estate. I'm just like burnt out from real estate. Yeah. So how that data company do? It went well. Uh, we built an insane team. I stole my CTO from the founder of the World Wide Web, Sir Tim Berners-Lee. Yeah. Like literally, he was running a project, trying to do what we were trying to do mm -hmm. at MIT. And I called him up. I'm like, here's why your project sucks. Here's how our project fixes everything that mm -hmm. sucks about your project. Leave his team, come join mine. Andre Chambre was his name. And I brought him on. And we built some initial MVPs. And we were trying to raise a million dollars and within about six months or so of starting, uh, we got a term sheet signed with a VC to invest $5 million into the company, a $15 million post money valuation. So I'm like, damn, this whole like starting your own business? Yeah. It really works out. You know, I was making like, like, you know, 50, 60K a year plus mm -hmm. bonuses at Express. And then now, like six months in, I got a $15 million valuation. Mm -hmm. What happened is that VC, they had a following out, they get their money from the, what they call LPs, lending partners. Mm -hmm. So what they will typically do is they have a fund, they fill it up with a bunch of investments, and then they raise another fund, and they fill mm -hmm. up with investments, but they were pre-filling the fund, assuming their LP was going to fund it. They had a falling out with their LP. Got it. And so my $5 million I was supposed to close never closed. Yeah. But meanwhile, at the same time, you know, we took Express to a million dollars a month, and I was, I remember I had a buddy, Ray Falchak, he left to go to another team. A few people left to go do it on their own or go join other teams. And they would call me all the time and be like, Robert, can you please help me with my tech? Like, I'm working my ass off. I'm not making any money. Can you please help? Like, do, what you did for Express, can you just please do that for me? I'm like, no, man, I can't do it. I'm too busy. Yeah. I can't do it. So I kept on rejecting them, rejecting them, rejecting them. But then, like, I had a little bit of seed money that I got from, like, family and friends to get the, the first business off the ground. But they kept on delaying, saying next month, next month, next month, to the point where like I just had a really big bill to pay, and I didn't have any like my bank account balance was like negative thirteen grand at that point. Yeah. So I called Ray back. It was like again right before Christmas, um, and I said, "Hey, let's meet tomorrow." And I pitched them on basically building the first version of InvestLift. But I mm -hmm. said, "There's two conditions." Number one, you pay for the initial MVP, but I own all the IP. So you can use it in perpetuity, but I own everything, I can resell it. Yeah. And they're like, okay, done. And so I pre-sold the first version of InvestorLift before ever building it. Got it. Which is a very different business model, right? It's not, yeah. it's not um, what's the word? It's not conventional. Yeah. But becoming more common, not, not normal, but more common, right? It's like, here, here's a product. If you guys will buy it, I will sell it. it. Yeah, exactly. I, I will. I will go make it happen. So, so yeah. So you're able to get one up the ground. Uh, MVP. So just for everyone that doesn't know, what MVP is minimum viable product. Yeah. So it how long a did it take? Piece of junk. <laughs> how long did it take? It took about six months, and it was a complete piece of junk. You could just like post a deal and <laughs> add and some photos. And when was this exactly? Uh, I think this is like 
beginning of 2017, I think. Okay. Something like that. So you got the first one. I can't remember. It's all a blur. So you got the first one. Wait, no, no, no. I was at Express for three years. So that would be until 2019. Then I get court for about a year. So that was about like two years ago. Yeah. Actually. So you get your MVP out there. They're working. Are they happy with it? You say they're you really say happy with junk, it. But they're really happy with it, but then they want more. Right. They got a taste. So I'm like, okay, if you just pay for development, we'll build more. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, so I sold that first version for uh, about 35 grand. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, if I could sell it for 35 grand not built, what could I sell it for already built? Yeah. And it wasn't SaaS. It was literally like, we'll just install this on your server. Mm-hmm. Like, so I went to another company and I'm like, hey, here's what we have. The CEO was like, what's the price tag? I'm like, I wanted to shoot for like maybe like 45. Mm-hmm. So I asked for, I think 95. I asked for 95. And then this, and he's like, no, it's got to be 10. And then eventually we closed it at 55,000. Yeah. So that was like the biggest aha moment. So the first year I worked at Express, my salary was 55,000. Yeah. I signed a contract, installed a code base on a server, made $55,000 in one day. I was like, whoa, this is powerful. Yeah. My whole way of thinking about life changed that moment. So how much more time do you spend on Quirk? It was on ice. Yeah. What I did is I took, I had some fr- friends and family that just gave, you know, like small mm-hmm. checks, 25K or whatever. I said, look, this thing's on ice. Let me go build something to bring in some cash and we'll mm-hmm. use that cash so they can go circle back to Cork. Yeah. Basically, self, let's self-fund ourselves with another business with something I know that's easy. Mm-hmm. Like this, this kind of tech is easy compared to what we were working yeah. on. We're working on like building a new data layer for the web, for like the entire internet. Some crazy hard tech. This stuff is like cakewalk, easy. We know we can print money with it. So I just rolled them into InvestorLift. So what was the problem that you guys were trying to solve Right, like when Ray reached out to very, okay, so explain that. So in wholesaling, the biggest problem uh, is, so you got all these products out there, like thousands of products, Mm -hmm. it's all marketing, sales, acquisition. No one had built anything for Dispo. And when you're trying to do a million dollars a month, if you're trying to do it all through email and your CRM, everything's going to slip through the tra- cracks. There was yeah. no system out there that like tracked all your KPIs, managed your buyer's list, and gave you a streamlined experience to go sell deals. Um, basically, it was like, we're trying to create marketplace efficiency. There was no marketplace efficiency. I'm like, can we create a product that will allow us to have greater marketplace efficiency mm-hmm. so that we can move deals faster at higher prices? No one had built anything like that. And this idea of marketplace efficiency that is not a common term. That's not something that's... No. So your background must have played some factor in that. Yeah. So uh, are you familiar with like algorithmic trading? Yeah. It's a giant scam on behalf of the... <laughs> for Wall Street against Main Street. But yeah. that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But so let's elaborate yeah, on So that for is. people that aren't familiar, so uh, in finance, you know, back in the day, if you wanted to sell a share, you'd like be on the trading floor and I'd be like, hey, I got... 10,000 shares of IBM, who wants them? And then you would find another guy and like, and there would be this, what we call buy, sell spread. Mm-hmm. Okay, it used to be in the dollars. Now it's in like 
now with like computers, now it's in like fractions of a like ten thousandth of a penny. Yeah. Right. Because the algorithms that that marketplace used to be so inefficient, but then as soon as in any industry, as soon as you bring data and technology into that industry, at any two-sided marketplace, uh, what happens is your 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 spreads go down, and there's more efficiency, and the more efficiency benefits both the buyers and the sellers. Right. So I saw real estate. I'm like, real estate is like. 20 years behind finance well i think you know your experience on, on wall street or in in finance right you saw that they were making e-trade was like 795 for a transaction right yeah so you kind of saw that that window that that fee that brokering fee was going down and down and down mm -hmm. and then you're trying to take that when you got into finance one of the things that played a factor was like there's that gap is so small now there's not as much opportunity yeah. but in real estate there's this giant gap. And yeah. so when we're talking about Dispo, you're saying like there's this opportunity to fix with marketplace inefficiencies. Absolutely. So, All you got to do is add data and technology. Yeah. So how did you guys fix that? So there's a few, few things. The first thing we worked on was we just need to take all of the different interactions that a buyer and a seller have mm -hmm. and digitize them. Okay. So let's say you want to sell a deal. Okay, if you want to sell a deal, you need to go get photos, videos, package that up in some way. You need to manage your buyers list and be able to segment which buyers might be interested in that deal. Uh, notify and communicate that deal to those buyers in some way, you know, text message, email, phone calls, whatever. In some way they need to know about your deal. And then if they know about your deal and they want to get more information, they need to be able to communicate that they want more information. Or if they want to make an offer, they need to be able to submit their offer. You need to be able to get proof of funds. You need to be able to generate contracts, get those contracts signed. Like there's all these different interactions that happen on every deal. We mm -hmm. mapped them all out and there was nothing out there that covered, that was an A to Z solution. So we just took that whole roadmap and said, okay, let's go build it all in one product where the whole thing is basically automated and uh, you're not having people go in and like emailing proof of funds and stuff back mm -hmm. and forth, but then also build it in a way where it spins off data on everything that happens in your business. Right. So you can log in on an iPad on the beach in Puerto Rico and look at your dashboard and know exactly where your business is at. Well, you're collecting data, right? So you yeah. know what your buyers are paying, and then eventually we'll get to this later on, but you know what other buyers are paying. Yes. Right, and once you know what all the other buyers are paying, now you have even more data and you can figure out what's their optimal pricing point and so mm -hmm. on. So, you know, like I see these companies that are coming after Tesla, right? Yeah. And it's like, good luck good catching luck. Tesla because they have so much freaking data ahead mm -hmm. of you. We don't know. Like, maybe you can replicate it, but they have so much data from all the autopilot they've been doing, even though it's not a great autopilot, from all this yeah. <laughs> data they've been tracking for all these years. Zillow, you know, they had yeah. a huge head start on data. Yeah. Now, they might be rendered irrelevant because of one stupid decision they made, but they were supposed to have this gigantic head start because of data. So... Talk about how you know data plays a part in the dispo process. Yeah, so I remember when we were at Express, we tried to scale into multiple markets. You're doing a million a month in one market. How do you, if you want a five x, the simplest idea is let's instead of doing a million a month in one market, let's do five million a month in five markets. Right? Mm -hmm. Seems like it makes sense. Yeah, so, so go five markets, a million in each market. Mm -hmm. it's simple, simple. And math. then we'll add on another five, and another five. Yeah. We tried that for like six months or so. We got our asses kicked so hard. Yeah. Okay, now the problem was, uh, there. I thought about it for three years, like, 
why did we get our asses kicked so hard? And I really think it came down to two things. Number one, we were mispricing stuff. So we're just doing like 70% ARV, like the teacher, like every mm. guru boot camp. Yeah, mm. you take the ARV, 70% minus repairs. The real world doesn't work like that. Yeah. If you try to do that in LA on a deal, you'll never buy a house. Never buy a house. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, conversely, if you do that in like some small city in middle of America, it's great. Well, you'll, if you're at 70% and everyone's buying at 50, you'll oh, never yeah. sell a house. Got it. Yeah, you're overpaying. Right. So you're losing inventory there. So number one was mispricing. We've experienced that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we all have. Anyone that's gone virtual, which is like everyone now, has experienced yeah. that. So number one factor of why we failed was mispricing, I believe. And then number two factor was we didn't know who had our money. Okay. So our home market, we've been working for like 10 years in our home market. Like if we had a deal, we know who had money, who didn't have money, who was going to try to circumvent us on the deal, mm -hmm. who was legit and was just going to wire the MD and like take it who's going to respond to us fast who's going to stretch it out for two three weeks before giving us an answer so if we wanted to move inventory a lot of times we can move inventory within a couple hours mm -hmm. so we're always priced right like we knew all the pockets too on pricing like this neighborhood is at 75 this one's at 65 this one's at 85 so we always had our pricing right and we always knew who had our money in those areas that would take the deals and you go to mobile alabama or denver colorado it wasn't the case we had yeah. no idea who the buyers were um, and we needed a way to solve that. And there wasn't a solution until we built God mode and God build finally solved that. It was just like, as soon as we launched that, it was game changer. So God mode, let's talk about what God mode is. Yeah. So when we were expanding to other markets, if anyone's tried to expand into other markets, how do you move your inventory? You post it on Facebook, Craigslist, you go on PropStream, you download all the cash buyers, skip trace some, and then like just, just try to spam everyone, mm -hmm. right? Market to them. We're not spamming them, we're marketing to them. We're spamming to them. <laughs> we're marketing to them. So we do, we cold call them. Yeah, so I was like, hey, what if instead of just spamming thousands of people, like, so the problem with like looking at just at cash transactions is, uh, you get a lot of false positives and you also miss a lot of, so false positives. So for example, my wife's family is Persian. Okay. In the Persian culture, you don't have mortgages. You just buy everything in cash. Mm -hmm. Okay. But her family doesn't invest in real estate at all. If you called her 65 year old mother and cause you saw she bought her house in cash. Mm -hmm. like, Oh, she owns this house, property in cash. And she owned an apartment too in cash um, for that. She bought for her daughter. If you called her up and we're like, hey, I got this hot flip opportunity in Northern Virginia. You're interested in taking a look and walking through and uh, potentially making me an offer? She have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. Right? So you'd be like, uh, who is this? What are you talking about? Flip opportunity? Like, yeah. so on cash, you're going to get a lot of false positives. But then also, like, big flippers. Like, we work with Tarek Almusa's team. Mm -hmm. Funny, came full circle. Watching his show got me in the game. And then yeah. we scaled his business way up. He did $2.7 in January with five guys on his team. Wow. Yeah, so we did the same wholesaling scale-up game that we did with other companies with his team as well. Um, but like when he does do flips, cause he still does flips for the show. He has to for for uh, flipper flop. Um, like he's not buying cash; he gets all his money from lending home mm -hmm. and is financing them all. So you're gonna miss out on seeing him. So, so I was false thinking, positives, and you're missing and out you're missing on the out. real flippers. Mm -hmm. And then also, you don't know how good these flippers are. So if you're just looking at like, oh, John Doe owns this property. Does he own, is he like a mom pop shop mm -hmm. that does one deal a year or is he a mega hedge fund that's buying thousands of houses? Yeah. You don't know. 
So we built God mode to solve that. Okay. So how it works is instead of just looking for cash transactions, we look for properties that are purchased and sold in a short period of time with a big increase in price. So for example, if I saw Steve that you bought a, a deal for $200,000 six months ago and just sold it for 450 last month, what are the chances are that that was a flip? Pretty good. Pretty good. Chances. Pretty good. Now what we'll do though is we won't just stop there. Um, I heard from a friend that he told me, he's like, he's like, Hey Robert, did you know that as soon as you're born, Facebook builds a profile for you? I'm like, what? What do you mean? Yeah. He's like, yeah, they're called ghost profiles. Like, what, what the hell is a ghost profile? Right. As soon as you're born. He's probably exaggerating a little bit, but yeah. they have profiles for every single American. Okay. okay. That's so what they do thing. is as soon as they find out, oh, there's this new person that we don't have our data sets, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll add you to the data set, build this ghost data profile for you and start buying data. Right. So every time you're signing up for like a free app, like mm -hmm. you go on like a dating app, OkCupid or uh, Tinder or like whatever. Mm -hmm. It's free because they're selling all your data. Right. You fill out those surveys like, oh, what's your favorite food? And like, where do you like to go on dates? And what are your sports? All of that data mm -hmm. is being sold to Axiom and some of these other Equifax. Some of the other, there's like four major data brokers, five major data brokers. And then, and then uh, Facebook and these companies, they buy it all and they build a profile because the whole idea is like, hey, if we don't have Steve Trim yet, we're going to get him. Mm -hmm. And when we do, we want to monetize him day one. So as soon as you come on Facebook, your ghost profile gets activated. They know exactly what your interests are. So they know they who I am ads. before I sign on my account. Yeah. See, I thought I create my account. I take all those stupid quizzes that my friends show, all those personality tests, and then they were going to figure out who they I am. They already know. They know before I even sign up for Facebook. Oh, yeah. Okay. And how does that apply to God mode? Okay. So I was thinking about this. I'm like, okay, this is really creepy Big Brother stuff. But I love the idea. I was talking to some friends. I'm like, you know, we're having some whiskeys and stuff. I'm like, dude, how cool would it be? How freaking cool would it be if you had a way where you could literally go into any city and see with a single click who all the biggest investors were in the city, mm -hmm. how many deals they'd done, what they bought them for, what they sold them for, when they bought them, when they sold them, what their gross profit was, what their whole time was. And what if we took it a step further and assigned kind of like a credit score to each one where we give them points. Every time they do a flip, they have points. So you go in any area, go into a map, set a radius, mm -hmm. click a button, and boom, here's your top 50 real estate investors. And then you could call those people up. Let's say I see you've done 50 deals in Phoenix. I call you up and I say, hey, Steve, I got this really hot deal in Phoenix. I see you've done 50 deals in Phoenix. In fact, you've done three deals uh, that you purchased for around 250 and sold for around 400,000 that you've done within a one mile radius of this property I have. I'm asking 250,000 for my deal. Are you interested in taking a look at it? What are you gonna say? Uh, well, the fact that you know all this information about me, at first I'm gonna be a little alarmed, but then B, <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, if you got this property that matches these other three <laughs> that yeah. you bought for 250, I bought for 250, I can sell for 450. Yeah, I'll pay, I'll pay that two fifty. Yeah, and you want to you want to make money. Right now, every time I'm you're putting me on speed. You know, wholesalers just bombarding people. Mm -hmm. Like some 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 people I know get five hundred deals sent to them per day. Yeah, most of it's trash. <laughs> so you know, not even in the same state they're in. Right. You know, so what if every time I call you, I'm sending you the perfect deal based on all the deals you've done in the past. Mm -hmm. 
you're gonna put me on your freaking favorites because you know every put a special ringtone on your phone because you know every time I'm calling you, I'm bringing you money. Right. Yeah. No, that's huge. Seal Team Six approach. The old approach was a shotgun, spray and pray. Now it's sniper. Yeah. So God mode. Well, so you were thinking, what if I could? Yeah. Your friends were excited. They signed off on it over whiskey. Yeah. And then. And then I built it. Now Investor was secret at this time. I built it for myself and my friends, and. I like to test stuff myself before I take it out in the wild and roll it out with other users because I, I was doing some deals at the time. And so I had this deal I took down in Covina and uh, my CTO, he just finished the building God mode. I'm like, okay, let me try it on this deal. I tried it on the deal in two hours. The deal was already overpriced. Mm -hmm. Okay, I was already overpriced, but I'm like, let me just throw a crazy buy it now price and see if anyone gets it. Yeah. So I threw this insane buy it now price on the deal and in two hours, I got 13 offers on the deal, six of them up my buy it now price. I was like, holy shit, this yeah. thing is so powerful. And that that's when I made the decision, I'm never doing deals ever again. I just need to focus on getting this into more people's hands. Yeah. All right, so created God mode. Had this idea, created it, excited about the prospects, and then saw that it, it was a real thing. Yeah. What'd you do after that? So we started plugging into companies, you know, uh, we plugged it into Tark's company and we scaled them up from doing no wholesaling like last summer to, you know, January, he put two, set a new record, 2.7 million in one month with just five guys on his team. You don't need a big team. A lot of yeah. people think you need a big team. You don't, you need yeah. a really good team of snipers. Right. Um, so we're just plugging it into our friends and our friends, friends companies. Okay. But then probably around like January uh, of this year, uh, Corey Geary and Nick Perry called me up and they're like, hey, you know, we're doing our, our, our coaching courses. At this time, I was selling Investor for $10,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Only to my friends and my friends' friends. I just was like, we're going to have the secret software that no 10, one knows about. $10,000 a month. 10000 a month. Yeah, okay. $10,000 a month. That's where they're writing checks. But I only had like five clients maybe. I mean, five times 10000 a month is pretty good. It's not bad. It funded yeah. the, the development, <laughs> right. you know, because we need to put a lot of money to buy the data, hundreds of thousands of dollars of data. I'm like, guys, I'm going to build this stuff, but it's really expensive. We got to buy a lot of data. But if you each, like you guys are doing a few hundred thousand dollars a month, you ship in like 10 grand, mm -hmm. like you're going to get see that money back 10x. So right. Right, okay. And they did. And they did. Yeah. yeah. So, but then they were doing coaching courses. They're like, Robert, you know, we're doing these coaching courses, but the problem is we run our whole dispo process on investor lift none of our coaching clients are going to be able to afford $10,000 a month. Yeah. So they're like, you got to drop the price and come up with something affordable. And we have different tier. Well, at the time we only had one tier of investor lift. And, um, I'm like, they're like, how cheap do you want? Or I'm like, how, how much? And they're like, if you, they're like, what was the average assignment fee last year? I looked in the database. I'm like, average assignment fee last year was 36,000. They're like price at 36,000, one assignment fee. Yeah. I was like, no freaking way. Not doing it. Not doing it. Yeah. We're like, no, if you price that 36,000, we will sell a million dollars in the next two, three months. Yeah. Like, that's not going to happen. There's no way. Like, trust me, we'll, we'll make it happen. I thought about it for a while. I was like, fine. Okay. I'll do it. They're like, okay, well, we need one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> you need to come up with something that's like, 500 bucks a month. <laughs> no freaking way. Yeah. They worked on me for a bit and I was fine. Okay, fine. So uh, 
we dropped the price on our high tier software and then we introduced a new version um, which is actually the same thing that we used to scale the first companies to a million dollars a month. Mm-hmm. We just like the month before introduced something that was like a little bit more powerful um, that we kept exclusive for the, the, the top tier. Um, but then we, uh, Nick called me up and he said, you, you got to get on a webinar with my buddy Dan Schwartz before mm-hmm. you launch it. And we were planning like April launch. And by the way, I was running out of money at this point. You're getting 10,000 a month from five people. And you're running out of money. I was running out of money because I was spending a lot of money on development because yeah. the stuff was really expensive. I was spending a lot of money on data. It wasn't like I was running out of money, but like I wasn't making any money. Mm-hmm. Okay, like I was like, like oh shit, like we're running pretty low. We might have to start cutting back the team or, or something. Um, and so we do this first webinar, and I we have like 150 people on the webinar, and I'm thinking we'll probably sell like. 35, 40 grand. Mm-hmm. You know how much we sold? Uh, probably more than that. 144,000 the first hour. Yeah. Then in the next 30 days, we sold 1.8 million. Wow. And then I had to just shut off sales. Yeah. I was like, this is too insane. Our wait list was like, because back then we didn't have like automated onboarding or anything. It would mm-hmm. take us, it used to take us a week to set up one client. Yeah. So, and we were pre selling this at the end of February, beginning of March for April launch, I'm like, we have to like get everything like as automated as possible so we can handle this volume. Like I didn't, I had no idea. I know people were gonna like it. I had mm-hmm. no idea it was that big of a problem that people, it was just gonna explode. Yeah. Like you remember that happened? Like everyone was talking about it. Well, yeah, I stuff. mean, I remember uh, Corey posting about it. I remember Nick posting about it. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, and we'll get to this later on, I remember uh, you and I met yeah. And afterwards, it's like, okay, what is this thing? And then, like, I swear, like, a month later, <laughs> I'm seeing all these ads from Corey and Nick. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, how I figured out about OfferFast, too. Right. I had so, you on the show. I'm like, who's the Steve Payne guy? I looked you up. And I'm like, OfferFast. I'm like, damn, this is the same, same thing as Investor Left. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to do the same thing. So I was going through this list, right? Because uh, we're, we're in a Facebook group, which we'll talk more about in a minute, right? But we, we can see Tarek, Shantari, Cody Sperber, Carlos Reyes, Nick, Corey. Donovan Ruffin, Chris Chico, my good buddy Scott Utz, Tiffany Hyde, Jerry Green, Ricardo Rosales, Justin Kobe, and, and, and many more. Um, what is it that makes sense for these guys to pump this kind of money into, into investor list? Okay, so at the highest level, we have some, so we talked about God mode. Everyone that signs up for, for investor lift gets God mode, mm-hmm. okay? That's all you need to sell your deals. But we're all working God mode. And the thing is, you got to like skip trace those buyers. Like, you know, we'll give them information, but you still got to like skip trace them in the system and call them and like opt them in for marketing. You know, get their email, be like, hey, can I send you deals? What areas are you interested in investing in? And that takes a lot of time. So I was building up my list. Nick's building up his list. Nick spent like 100 grand buying buyers lists when he was first trying to go national. Corey was trying to go national. All these guys are trying to go national. And at the time, we were all thinking that our buyers list was our competitive advantage. Mm I'm looking at the data, I'm like, damn, just in Southern California, there was $16 billion made last year by wholesalers and flippers. Even How if much? we were 16 billion. $16 billion. Yeah, okay. even if even if we were all just in that one market and we were all doing a million a month in assignment fees, we wouldn't even be touching 1% market share. Yeah. So us thinking that we have some competitive advantage by hoarding our buyers is the stupidest thing ever. It's scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. We need to have an abundance mindset. So I went to them, I pitched them, I'm like, guys, 
well, we should stop hoarding our buyers list and just put all our buyers list together. Yeah. Initially, like that was a really hard sell. We were like, oh, I don't know. Man. Well, that's proprietary. I mean, yeah, Nick spent a hundred grand buying his buyers. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember because uh, he went on this um, journey, right? Because yeah. he was a na- he's a national wholesaler. He's the first yeah. person I know that was wholesaling nationally, well. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so part of that was he had to build this buyers Massive list of the buyers. whole country. So I remember hearing about this. Yeah. Right. And so then you were able to convince him to I, donate that. I convinced them all to pool their buyers together on okay. a couple conditions. Number one, I limit it. They're like, we don't want it. Look, we'll, we'll pull it together. But you can't have this pool going out to like 2,000 people. Like yeah. they'll just burn the buyers list. We can't have noobs coming on. So keep it capped. So we agreed we'll keep it capped at 50 people. And they all got to be like ballers. So the minimum is 250000 a month to be able to get into that. We call it cartel boss level. Mm-hmm. And you need, we don't want any assholes coming in. So you need at least three endorsements from other cartel bosses to get into that tier. But once you get into that tier, do you know how many buyers we have in that tier? Uh, 30? 2.5 million. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. 2.5 million buyers all geotagged with the emails and uh just in the last month we added 190,000 more so we're all working together uh nick perry Corey geary sean terry cody sperber tarik el musa carlos reyes sal alex shakur uh tiffany high chris jefferson like you name it anyone who's big in the game hmm? anyone who's a big wholesaler that's yeah. been on the show is an investor of cartel pretty much got it got it okay so you're able to explain that this is no longer this is not the competitive advantage so then what if if the buyers list is not the competitive advantage what is their new competitive advantage the buyers list is only competitive advantage if it's so big that it actually covers the entire country Mm -hmm. You know, like if I have 30,000 buyers on my buyers list, which would be like a really big buyers list. It would be. It's not a competitive advantage because everyone's going national now. And mm-hmm. each time you go into a new city, even if you had 30,000 spread across the entire country, it doesn't really do much. Yeah. But if all of us are working together, all putting in buyers together every day, now I have speed on my deals. Yeah. So God mode. The beautiful thing about God Mode, too, is like God Mode also kind of works in the same way where people are contributing. So as soon as one person skip traces a buyer, everyone else on the network gets it. As soon as one person skip traces a buyer and says, hey, this is the accurate phone number, everyone else on God everyone Mode gets it. Everyone that has Investor Live has it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought that and was then, cartel only. And then what's cool, um, well, they won't. They still have to get the email. They still have to like go call that person off the end, okay? But as soon as I get them on my buyer's list, that whole profile is then shared with everyone else. Um, so if I have a buyer and you have a buyer and the phone number is out of date and I have the accurate phone number, I update it, it updates for you as well. So you Got get it. that on God mode, but on cartel mode, like you just, you just have full access to the full thing. So you can go in pretty much any major city in America and you have buyers. So what that allows you to do is sell the deals a lot faster at higher prices. Mm-hmm. So most people that come on InvestorLift, their average assignment fee is less than 20,000. The average assignment fee last year, as we mentioned earlier, was twenty thousand. So how do you go from, or sorry, it was thirty six thousand. So how do you go from twenty to thirty six? That's almost twice as much money per deal. The way to do it is get your deal in front of the perfect buyer, but also not just one. Get in front of multiple perfect buyers. 
get multiple offers on it, get into a multiple offer situation. If you have two houses, one has one offer and another one has five offers, how much more money are you gonna make on an assignment fee? Yeah, I mean, it's supply and demand, right? Supply and demand, so, so it's easy to squeeze out another 15 grand. So it's a competitive advantage mm -hmm. if, if you have in a low data uh, environment, right? Yeah. In a low data environment, it's a competitive advantage. Yeah. But once everyone has the data, then you can market, if we're all sharing in the same community, yeah. all the top buyers, and you can market your deal to the top buyers, that's the competitive advantage. It's speed. It brings down your cash conversion cycle. Got it. Like, so you came on a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, we came on a few weeks how ago. Have things gone, how have things gone so far? Uh, so we got onboarded, I wanna say two and a half, three weeks ago. So I was looking at this, I was actually talking to Ryan on our team. Yeah. And so we've done three deals in two and a half weeks, right? So the first one was 15th Avenue. Uh, we bought it for 158 and we posted it for 178. Yeah. Right? So we're looking to make a 20K assignment fee, but we put the buy it now at 183. Nice. And instantly, we got it. You we got, got it? the buy it now. We're like, uh, wow. nice. <laughs> yeah, we're like, what? Well, this buy it now thing. There's there's some legs to this thing. Yeah. So uh, let's try it again. And we did another one. So we posted 24th place. Uh, we bought it for 168. I'm sorry. We bought it for 150. We posted for 168. So we're looking to make, you know, 18k. Yeah. Uh, but we put a buy it now. We just add 5k for the buy it wow. now price, right? That's the eBay thing. Yeah. Right? The buy it now is just five bucks more, five thousand more, and we got that. So we're like, holy crap. That's two now. <laughs> so that's two. So that's an extra 10K. So, I mean, uh, let's see, that's- uh, You're selling them for more than you expected. We're selling for more than we expected. So 23 yeah. plus 25, so 48K. It would have been, you know, 30 plus, but 48. It's a lot more money. You're with, almost twice as much, almost. Without a dispo person. Without a dispo, yeah, you're just clicking that button. <laughs> without a dispo person. Yeah. Uh, and then this one that we just contracted yesterday, you know, we bought it for 85, we posted it for 103. We posted to buy it now. I think we're getting, you know, we're tempting to see yeah. how, what the buy it number, buy it yeah. now uh, uh, spread can be. Yeah. So I think we pushed on that one. So we didn't get that one buy it now, but you know, we sold for 103. So we posted it for, uh, we bought it for 85, we posted it for 103 and we got it. And so we sold it yesterday. So hat uh, trick. There you go, hat trick. Yeah. So, so you see the, the power. Well, yeah, so in two and a half weeks, we sold three deals through wow. Investor Lift. Um, and all together, we don't have a full-time disciple person. Yeah. And Ryan said he spent less than 90 minutes. Yeah. All together. Is that we have teams of less than half a dozen people yeah. doing million dollar plus months. You don't need a huge team if you have the data and the tech. Right. Now, here's another thing. I always hear that people hear about cartel mode. Mm -hmm. Okay. People are going to be watching this at home. They're like, oh, cartel mode. I need cartel mode, but I'm not there. And what I tell them, like, dude, you don't need cartel mode. Cartel mode just makes it faster. But the first company to break two million a month did it before we even built cartel mode. They did it just with God mode. God yeah. mode gives you the same kind of power where you can find the perfect buyer, find the biggest buyers. You just got to go through the extra step of opting in those buyers. Yeah. So like, for example, um, Tiffany Hyde, she came on recently and she was trying to show it to her group. And she's like, hey, Robert, can you do a demo? I'm like, no, sorry, I'm booked on calls like all week. So she gets on, she's doing a demo of God mode. Third buyer she calls on God mode buys the deal right then mm -hmm. and there while she's just randomly showing people how it works. She called me afterwards. She's like, holy crap. Yeah. I just sold a deal on like my third phone call while I was right. demoing. I'm like, yes. And there's something, I don't know if you we were supposed to announce it yet, but there's something that you're trialing where you were saying that uh, you posted it and it instantly blasted it to the top buyers. So we have something, we have some AI we're developing. Yeah. So it's, 
it's, it's in coming beta. soon. It's working, We're but it's in beta. Privately baiting it, and we've let a few teams test it. Uh, Corey tested it a few weeks back on a deal, and we're on Zoom together. He's calling buyers. And he called 10 buyers, six of the 10. We're like, yeah, send it over. Mm-hmm. And he was just like freaking out. He got up and like left. Yeah. And like, yo, guys, come check this thing out. Yeah. He was he was losing, losing his shit over it. But um, what I did is I uh, poached one of the top data scientists from LinkedIn mm-hmm. that built the job matching algorithms for LinkedIn. Okay. So, you know, on LinkedIn, you have uh, job postings, which is kind of like deals for us. Mm-hmm. And then you have candidates, which mm-hmm. is kind of like buyers. All right. So it's the same problem space. It's just different data. But in machine learning, you don't really care about the data. You just mm-hmm. care about like the type of problem. Just the matching. Yeah. So the same kind of like this is 2021. You know, going into 2022, we have my Tesla drives itself. Mm-hmm. Your Tesla drives itself. Yeah. You know, I've autopilot is getting scary good. Um, I've driven my my Tesla Model X across the country four times on autopilot. Mm-hmm. The only thing I do is take it off the highway to charge on. But other than that, it drives the whole way. So I'm like, this is 2021, the power of neural networks right now is so incredibly strong. If we can just build up a big enough data set, we can plug neural networks in where you don't even have to program them. Mm-hmm. You just say, this is what I want. This is the output I want. Go look at the data and the, the algorithms will look at millions of data points, tens of millions of data points, every single buyer interaction, we're monitoring them. So we, just last month, we spun off 28 million buyer interactions. Yeah. Like every click on a, a deal, every login, every offer, every inquiry, all of that's being logged, all that behavior is being logged. And then you just point the AI at data sets like that and they'll, in you know, five seconds, tell you who the top buyers are. So I want to uh, answer everyone's questions. And just before, before we do that, I want to talk about how we connected. Right? Yes. So Josh reached out to me. He's like, hey, why don't you yep. jump on the podcast? Josh going, yeah. It's like, okay, sure. You know, I'll jump on the podcast. Yeah. So I jump on the podcast. I meet you. Yeah. Right. So we talk, we had, you know, we were talking about sales and this and that. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I do investor lifts. I'm like, okay, cool. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and I check it out after the podcast. And then I've got OfferFast, right? I mean, that's that's my app. Yeah. That's the I MLS. Didn't even know about it. That's the MLS for off market wholesale properties. And so I'm looking at investor lift. I was like, and I reached out to my team, I was like, guys, we need more urgency here. Like, <laughs> I knew the clock was ticking when we announced OfferFast in 2019. Yeah. I knew the clock was ticking. Mm hmm. And I try to express urgency to the team. Yeah. But it wasn't happening. Yeah. And so I was like, guys, investor lift, right? I saw it last year. This thing's coming. If we don't beat them, they're going to eat our lunch. Yeah. So faster. Yeah. And now you were saying you had a different experience. So when we came on the show, um, normally I research people before going mm-hmm. on the show, but that day I was completely booked up. I told you, I don't know if I can interview on this one. I haven't done any homework. I'm mm-hmm. getting off a call five minutes before. It's like, just come on. His name is Steve Train. He runs a really big YouTube podcast. And I'd actually watched your show. I just didn't connect the dots that it was mm-hmm. you that I was interviewing. So you came on. And sure enough, same thing on my side. I watched the show. And I go on uh, uh, Real Estate Disruptors, watch a few videos. And I see down the bottom, OfferFest. I'm like, mm-hmm. what's that? I type it in. I'm like, wait a minute. That's investor left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're doing the same thing. We're doing the same, same exact thing. But we're trying to, we're trying to solve the same problem but attacking from different angles. So, so ours was a Dispo app where if you're a wholesaler, you post it and a buyer will reach out to you. Yeah. Right? So we attacked it from wholesaler first. Yeah. You attacked it from, we're gonna get a bunch of buyers in here mm-hmm. and then allow wholesalers to reach out to the ideal buyer. So yeah. we were trying to solve the same problem, yeah. but we tried to solve it from different ends. 
exactly looks like you're in one <laughs> so let's talk about you know like you reached out to me what prompted you to reach out to me again about OfferFast? yeah so think about uh the way i like to work is it's really t like this what we're doing right now we're changing the whole game of real estate investing like if five years ago people used to laugh at wholesalers that was like oh you're a wholesaler oh you're a noob like mm -hmm. the real pros flip yeah and we're changing the game now we have we're the first people to build mega wholesalers we're bringing this new age of mega mm -hmm. wholesalers doing a million a month two million a month within the next three years someone on investor lift is going to break 10 million a month it's going to happen okay because we're bringing so much efficiency to the marketplace and we're doing it in a smart way like zillow and all them they're in OfferPad and open door they're all centralized we're decentralized so if you look at any battle between centralized and decentralized napster versus the united states music industry mm -hmm. uh, bitcoin versus the us dollar that one's still playing up you know which one's going to win you know so all centralized versus decentralized always 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 decentralized is going to win okay mm -hmm. so but this is a re really unique problem space and it's such a big problem that the way i look at it is i need to bring in heavy hitters that are interested in the same problem space yeah and got to be passionately interested in the same problem space so i saw what you're doing i was like you know what we're both passionate about the same thing instead of trying to run parallel paths why don't we just merge those paths and put them together yeah and so, you know, we jumped in a call. You showed me what you were doing, right? Because I, I, I was familiar with Investor Lift. I've seen it online. I've talked to I've had conversations with Nick Perry Biles. You know, Tony Biles, yeah. like, oh, that's cool. You know, go go check it out, right? Um, but then, you know, you and I had a serious conversation that was supposed to be one hour that turned into two hours, turned into three or four <laughs> hours. Um, and eventually, you were like, look, it doesn't make sense to compete. Yeah. So let's just collaborate. Absolutely. Right. And which is something we preach all the time, right? We're talking about squad up. Let's collaborate. Let's work together. Oh, yeah. Right. And so um, officially, as of today, Big I can say I can say that OfferFast has been acquired by InvestorLift. Absolutely. So congratulations. This is a huge, huge win. Right. I think for everybody, because now we got two people trying to solve the same problem, looking at it from different perspectives. But I think that there's a lot here of uh, synergy. 100%. Right. And trying to make this work. And, you know, we're talking about creating an MLS for off market properties. This is going to be even stronger. Yes. Right. And the top of other problems that we're going to be solving. Yes. So and it, it's not just you and me, too. It's, uh, I'm just bringing together everyone else. Yeah. The cartel, the entire investor of cartel. And you're bringing together, you know, you have all the top real estate investors in the world. It's like, uh, Right of passage. If yeah. it, you know you've made it when you've been on real estate disruptors. Yeah, I mean that's it's an honor. That was not the initial vision, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, and now bringing those two together, um, bringing the whole industry together, all these yeah. wholesalers together, working together, we're gonna beat all these other guys. Yeah, we're gonna beat Open Door. We're gonna Zillow's already out. <laughs> Zillow's game over. <laughs> Zillow's game over. Offer yeah. path. All these guys are centralized, and centralized doesn't work. All they are is this is why I always tell people they're a pretty website. Mm -hmm. But in the background, it's just Goldman Sachs and Deutsche Bank money. Okay, mm -hmm. if you look at the data, I have all the data. It's all just Goldman Sachs, Deutsche Bank money funneling into real estate mm -hmm. through a pretty website and an operations team. Yeah. Guess what? All the hedge funds, who's giving them all their money? BlackRock. 
BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, and Deutsche Bank. They're right. not betting all just on these two guys. They're also betting all these hedge funds. Well, they're betting on all of them. It's, I mean, yeah, it's kind of disgusting if you look behind the scenes who's, yeah. <laughs> who's winning. So I'm like, guys, we can do the same thing, but do it decentralized. Mm -hmm. Just get the properties under contract, sell them to the hedge funds. Half yeah. of all deals on InvestorLift now are sold to hedge funds. Yeah. So if you want to sell it to the hedge funds. It's the easiest way. Yeah. And I think that you look at, uh, this is kind of like this battle that we saw, you know, uh, the Wall Street bets, right? Like yeah. <laughs> AMC and what was the other one? GameStop. Uh, GameStop, right? Hell yeah. Right? The, if we work Diamond together. Hands. I still have mine. If we work together, we can take down the system. Yeah. And I look at the system as the iBuyers. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the questions here because I know we got a ton. Uh, so thank you guys for being patient. Uh, so Rail and White, uh, for those that are not familiar with Investor, what's enough? I think we kind of answered that question already. Uh, so this is a very sensitive question. So I'll see how you take this. Okay. How does Investor Lift compare to Keekly? That's a good question. So Keekly, they're they're an operations business fundamentally. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they're more like a service. We are not a service. We're not gonna hold your hand and tell you how to comp a deal. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna hold your hand and help you find buyers. It's, they will teach you, they will give you a fish. Mm -hmm. We'll give you a fishing rod and instruction manual on how to fish. We're a tool, we're a software, we're a tool. I always tell people, we can give you Michael Jordans, but we can't make you Michael Jordan. So they're going to try to make you Michael Jordan. We're just going to give you the Michael Jordans and the instruction manual. Yeah. That's the difference. We're, we're, we're not interested in doing any operations. We're just interested in giving you the best tools in the world so you can go do, do the deals yourself. And you have the knowledge. You have the tools to go crush it. Yep. Um, and then follow-up question by Raylan on YouTube is how much does Investor Lift charge? Good question. So if you're coming on, everyone starts off on the base plan pro. Okay. So it's like, I think it's like four seventy nine a month. You do have to pay upfront for the year. So I think it works out to $5,700 a year. Um, if you get on and you just JV one deal your first week, if that's all you did is just, you signed up and you just like JV one deal your first week, moved it. Are you gonna make your money back? You're gonna make your money back and what? Way more. Yeah. We had one guy who came on last Friday or no, two Fridays ago. First day he did eighty thousand, and then he texts me on Thursday. So he'd only been on for four days. Mm -hmm. He set a new record for the first week, three hundred three thousand he did in the first week. Mind you, he had a bunch of inventory stuck in Dispo. Yeah, but James Ford down in Puerto Rico. Shout out to James Ford, by the way, uh, absolute monster. Three hundred three thousand his first week. Uh, so I'm not promising you're going to make three hundred three thousand. Don't take it that way. Yeah. Uh, it depends on you know how many deals you have and things like that. Um, but yes, four seventy nine a month. Uh, if you uh, if you come on, like you should be able to break even really really fast. Selling deals way quicker at higher prices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you just go from a twenty k assignment to a twenty five, boom, you just paid for your license for the year. Yeah. Okay. But also, we set you up with a discount code. Okay. And we don't do discounts, but uh, because we're working together on this, and I know that people are watching this show, like you guys are legit. If you're watching this show, you you, you know where to get the good information. Yep. Um, so why don't you talk about that, about uh, what we're doing with you? Uh, so I only know the code. I don't know the exact discount that we're offering. It's going to be 10% off. Got it. Okay, so it brings it down to about, I think, like 5200 okay. 5200 per year. Yeah. 
So to Tony York, so 10% off if you put in, if you go through the link or if yep. you use disruptors. Yeah. It's get.investorlift.com slash disruptors. Yeah. And the coupon code is disruptors. Disruptors. Yep. There you go. Cool. Yeah. So if you guys jump on that right there, um, what else is there? Uh, so, oh, on IG, what's the difference between God mode and cartel mode? So I think we touched on that a little bit. God mode, we're just packaging up the tax record data in a really efficient way. So you can come in, like you have your property you want to sell, you set a radius around it, and then we are scoring every single buyer based off the tax record data. So you click a button, filter by buyer score, you can see, hey, this guy did 150 deals, this guy did 200 deals, this guy did 90 deals. And with one single click, you can see who all the biggest buyers are. I showed it to a guy up in Ohio. He'd been wholesaling for like 10, 15 years. And I'm on a sales call with him. He says, wait, 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 okay. Let's see how this thing goes. Put in this address. I got a deal I want to sell. You know, I'm like, mm. okay. Type in the address, click go, filter, high to low buyer score. He's like, his jaw just hit the floor. He's like, holy crap. I've spent 15 years trying to figure out who the biggest buyers are. Mm in my market, you just did it with a single click. Yeah. Okay. And then you do that anywhere in the country. Right. It even works in the non-recording states. And it's a little trickier there. In the what? In the non-recording states like oh. Texas, where you don't have purchase Yeah, non-disclosure states. We do some tricks to make it work there, the non-disclosure states. But um, so, but when you see that data, it's gonna be like Steve Trang LLC. Mm -hmm. And there's gonna be a button beside it that says skip trace. Or if someone's already skipped trace, they'll already have the phone numbers there. Yeah. Okay, so other people can skip trace a buyer, call them, and if they see that the phone number is accurate, they can click a button to verify it and have a green check mark beside it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you'll pop in and someone's already done the work for you. Yeah. And you can just piggyback off it. Like there's entire cities where the entire city skip trace. Yeah. By this time next year, working all together with, we have 1,200 users now, over 1,200, all doing this every single day. Mm -hmm. Within 12 months, I think all of God mode is gonna be skip traced and verified. But you still have to go make those phone calls. Yeah. You got to call those buyers, build that relationship, and ask them, hey, what's your email address? Which areas are you interested in investing in? Can I add you to my buyers list and opt them in? Cartel mode, that work is already done for you by other people. Right. So you have the email, you have the opt-in already, and you're just you're skipping a step. Yeah, you can market straight to them. Yeah. But I would I love to be able to give that to everyone, but we'd burn the list. Yeah. We'd burn the list. So if we had noobs coming on, sending out junk deals to mega hedge fund managers, mm -hmm texting to their personal cell phone numbers. We have NBA players in that data set. <laughs> we have like like Hollywood celebrities in mm -hmm. that data set, big music artists. Like there's a lot of VIPs with like personal cell phone numbers mm -hmm. that also happen to invest on, on the side. Yeah. We can't give that out to 1,200 people. They would they would hang us from a tree. Yeah. So I'd love to, but <laughs> once you get up to 100,000, you'll get an invite from me. I'll call you and I'll mm -hmm. say, hey, we're moving up a level. That's Lieutenant. Lieutenant won't give you all of cartel mode. It'll give you 600,000 buyers. And then once you break a quarter million dollars a month, then you'll also get a call from me inviting you up to the highest year cartel yeah. boss. Got it. Um, and Kai says, you know, Kai went on YouTube. Great interview. Any advice for organizing buyers for someone who's new to wholesaling? Organizing buyers. Uh, yeah. Uh, get investor lift and upload them. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I I'll share with you guys. Uh, I I was skeptical. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's when good. You, when you reached out to me, you're like, "Hey, like, yeah. like, let me show you what we're doing." I was like, "Okay, right." Like, this thing's not gonna work. Yeah. Whatever. Hey, Steve, take it for take it for a test drive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and when you showed me, I was like, "Okay, so like, here's a list that was uploaded recently, and look, 99% of their buyers are already in the investor." Yeah. I'm like, oh, 
Okay, here's another guy who uploaded it. And these are names I recognize, right? Yeah. Right? Like, here's what, here's a list they updated. Uploaded. 98% match rate. It's like, oh, really? Like, bios are already in there. They're already in there. We already so, have like, profiles. This is like uh, the it's board. It's like Wikipedia for buyers. I don't know how much of a nerd you are, but I was, right? So, like, Star Trek Next Generation, you know, there's yeah. the board, yeah. right? Like, resistance yeah. is futile. Like, you're winning because, really, resistance is futile. Either you join it. Yeah. Or you don't. And if you don't, like... You're behind. You're behind. You can't catch up. You, if you're if you're in a market and you're competing against someone that's on InvestLift and you don't have it, you're already dead in the water. Yeah. You're out of business. You just don't know it yet. And one thing that I'm excited about is that, you know, now that we're doing it is uh, by the end of this year, which is really now the end of this month, only a few weeks away, is we are going to open up a national Dispo platform. I love it. Right? Because it yeah. only makes sense because, like, the data you have in there, you know, again, when you show me the demo, like, here's all the buyers we have in Phoenix. Like, you know all their names. I know all their names. And I asked you, I'm like, do you know? I don't know any of their names. <laughs> I'm just like, here's what's in Phoenix. Here's yeah. high to low. Do you know and, these guys? And you showed me, I want to say out of the first 12, I knew 10 or 11 of them. Yeah. It was the who's who of Phoenix. Yeah. And it works in every city. So I was like, crap, this thing is real. And I am really far behind. Yeah. Right. So, um, but as a result, we're going to be doing nationwide dispo because it only makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. people can then bring their deals to you. If, they, if they're not, I always tell people, look, if you're doing less than two or three deals a month, don't buy Investor Lift. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to try to sell it. Like you should be spending your money on marketing mm -hmm. to get to three deals a month, mm -hmm. then buy it. All right. Because right. if you're just trying to sell one or two deals, this is not the, this is not, this the is not, this is not for yeah. new. This is if not a new, magic pill no. to help you wholesale more. Exactly. This is, more of an easy button if you're already wholesaling, mm -hmm. right? If you're already wholesaling, we can grease the wheels. Exactly. This is not a let me help you wholesale if you're not no. regularly doing it. Or if you don't know, like if you haven't, yeah, if you're not at least three to five deals a month, go to someone that, like Steve mm -hmm. that already has investor left and say, hey, Steve, let, you know, sell my deals for you. And obviously yeah. you got to take a cut because you got to make some money on it. But, right. you know, that's how the game works. You want to make money, you got to spend some money. And then once you get hit that three to five deal range, that's where it's like, it's a no brainer. Like you're yeah. going to make your money back the first week. You should. Absolutely. Uh, Jeff Nagerdegger. What's up, Jeff? Um, seems like a sweet product solution. Are there any states or areas that you're not currently servicing? No, we have, I mean, it's, here's the thing on the higher levels, like cartel level, it's, I'm not putting in the data. Like I brought in my buyers list. My buyers list was 189,000 buyers. It probably took me about 20,000 hour, man hours to build mm -hmm. that. I didn't do all myself. I had VAs and stuff helping me with it. But um, I brought in my buyers list, but the rest of it comes from the cartel bosses. Mm -hmm. Comes from Cody Sperber, Carlos Reyes, Sean Terry, Tarko Musa, all these guys. Mm -hmm. Same thing in God Mode. I didn't skip trace very many buyers in God Mode. All these other guys were skip tracing them, right? Mm -hmm. And it just all feeds in. So. In certain areas, we don't have any cartel bosses. Like Montana, I don't have a single cartel boss in Montana. I don't have a single car boss in Atlanta, uh, Alaska. Um, I was going to say I don't have any in Connecticut, but I just actually had one join last week from Connecticut. Yeah. Um, so in those areas, it's not going to be as strong because yeah. people just aren't moving deals in those areas. But in any major city, it's going to be really strong. Well, and here's what's crazy, right? Like, why would I put my skip trace buyer into your into investor lift, right? Like that is probably a question someone's asking. Yeah. And our team found it was just easier to just work inside investor lift yeah. as a buyer database, right? That, that's our CRM yeah. for buyers. Yeah. So it was just easier to notate in there versus yeah. notate elsewhere. So like, yeah, like now at this point, you're kind of behooved to 
<laughs> update it because it just makes your job easier yeah. as a user. Um, Jeremy on YouTube, what company do you pull your data from? We have a bunch of different data providers. I actually have, when you buy from these big data providers, you actually have to sign non-disclosure agreements saying that you're not going to reveal that mm -hmm. they're your data provider. So I can't <laughs> name any, but there's a bunch and we spent stupid amounts of money on data. Um, but it's really good data. It's the same that OfferPad, OpenDoor, Realtor.com, Zillow, all, I buy from the same guys they buy from. Yeah. Uh, I missed this question here on IG. Benito, data sources from user agreement apps, is that monetized in some, force, in some form of marketplace? Say that again? I guess the data that they put, are you monetizing that somewhere else? No. Okay. No. I'm, I'm guessing that's what the question is. Yeah. Um, Coriel Lincoln, so this app is not for who for new wholesalers. Yeah, if you're a newbie, spend your 5K on marketing. I don't mm -hmm. like, I'm not gonna be one of those guys that's like, oh, you should buy my, like, go expand your credit card, line of credit, and buy my product. Buy, buy, buy. I don't believe in that at all. Because yeah. when you come on InvestSlip, I don't wanna just keep you for a year. I wanna keep you for 10 years. Yeah. I want every single person to be taxed on money. If you're a small wholesaler and you're just getting started off and you have two options, let's say you had $10,000. You could take half of that and buy an InvestorLift license that would help your dispo process. But if you're only disciplined one deal a month or two deals a month, like what kind of ROI would you get from that versus if you took that money and you put it into like buying some lists to go text and call yeah. or running some Facebook ads or running some Google ads to get you to three deals a month, right? Yeah. So if you're just getting started, don't buy it yet. Like wait until you're doing three to five deals a month, then come on because you should be putting all your money into marketing to get to that level. And then because we're just going to make the discipline process faster and help you make more money per deal. That's what it is. But that's not your problem when you're getting started. Your problem when you're getting started is finding the deals. Right. Um, one thing we haven't talked about yeah. is that we've been talking about the dispo part. Yeah. We haven't once talked about the PPC component. <laughs> yeah. I think it's insane. What is that You know, for anyone that's looking at PPC? Yeah. So this is funny because this is just kind of like a side project. Mm -hmm. I was messing around a few years ago with... Um, websites and I put up this like test site and it was just for like this stupid test and I threw some Google Ads budget at it and it was just like this stupid single simple page that I built in like a day like there was like nothing on it it was just like a picture and like enter your address here mm -hmm. and like get an offer for your house click go and that was like it and then I came into the CRM like I put put I put it online on like a Friday and I came back on a Monday and it was just like freaking on fire like our metrics were 10x. I was like, holy crap, what's going on here? And what I realized is, um, what it really came down to is the page performance. So because it was such a simple website, if you go and you go and just go on your computer, if you're watching this at home, and search for Google PageSpeed Insights, okay? Go click on that first link, type in your URL for your website and click analyze. And Google will give you a score from zero to 100 on how like mobile responsive and fast your website is. And you want to look at that number, number, that number primarily, but then also look at um, there's um, there's one number that shows it's first uh, first page loader, so first page, page paint, yeah. first paint, first paint. Mm -hmm. That's when stuff like the first screen first starts showing up mm -hmm. and then total time to interactive. That's how long it takes for your website to become fully loaded on the average American's device with the average American's 
uh, internet. internet. Yeah. And a lot of guys are like big in this industry spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. They have like 10, 12, 15 second time to interactive and their total score out of 100 was like 20 or 30. And they're spending all this money on Google Ads. Now what I figured out is Google, you think I think about the incentives of Google. So Google is, they're incentivized to, they know their product is, their cus- is the customer searching. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they want as many people coming back and consuming searches. Every time they run a search, they're making money on those ads. Okay, so how do you keep people coming back and searching and searching and running a bunch of searches? You send them to really fast, mobile responsive websites that they consume very quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what Google realized is the faster the pages are, the more money we make. So in the Google Ads algorithm, a lot of people think that you can just pay your way to the top. You can. You can, it's not efficient. But it's not efficient. What Google looks at almost is a factor more important than your bid is the page experience mm-hmm. and how fast is your site. So we can a lot of times you can come into a market and let's say your competitor is bidding $30 a click and they're at like 40 or 50 out of 100 page score. Okay. Mm-hmm. We could be coming in and bidding 5 or $10 for the same click and just dominating that first position and getting all the clicks and all the traffic and paying a fraction of the price. Yeah. So the power of this is absolutely enormous. Like we launched it and then actually just in June this year, um, Google launched what they call the core vitals update. Mm -hmm. I figured out a long time before that update that Google was really prioritizing page speed and and, and, um, page experience. But then they went out in June this year, they launched the core vitals update that they said was gonna to apply to SEO. But I'm like, you know, I bet this is gonna hit Google Ads as well. Yeah. So after about 30 days, I looked into the data sets to see what it did it impact Google Ads or do we have an increase in lead flow on the InvestorLift network or not? What do you think? Do you think do you think it impacted of Google it Ads? Impacted. How much do you think it impacted? Thirty percent? Could guess thirty eight percent increase wow. in one month. Yeah, it's insane. So Corey Geary, for example, he was he's local here. You know him. Yep. He was uh, spending a decent amount of money driving Google Ads to a carrot website, and Nick referred me to him, and I got him on. And well, I didn't get him on yet. I, I was on a call with him, and he's like, "Hey, what do you think about my website?" And I'm like, "I ran the test. I'm like." I mean, your metrics in Google Ads are pretty good. He was like getting $60 cost per click and like decent volume and stuff. I'm like, I can't promise anything, but I'm pretty sure we could crush these numbers if I switched you. Mm. So we launched a new site for him January 1st. He moved from Carrot over to our InvestorLift site. Carrot's really good for SEO. Like we don't do any SEO at all. We're like, screw SEO. So guys, if you're watching this, you want to get SEO, Trevor's a great guy, sign up for Carrot. But that's a like two-year game. Mm-hmm and a lot of money yeah. before you see a return. And a lot of times when you're getting started in real estate investing, you need a quick return. Mm-hmm. So SEO is not really an option if you're just getting started. You gotta go into Google Ads. So we launched the site January 1st, instantly overnight. He saw 40% decrease in his cost per lead and the volume of leads he was getting through his site with exact same ad spend. You know how much it increased by? I mean, it's gotta increase 60%. Four over four hundred percent. Okay, that's pretty good too. Instantly, yeah, it's insane. He didn't change yeah. anything else in his business. All he did is just plugged in the website. It took ten yeah. minutes, and, and that's included. Business. And that's included in the yeah, God mode or pro mode. It's included on everything. Yeah, it takes f- literally five minutes to set up. You get a, a 
professional. And that was just a side project. I just saw so many people. I knew that this was an important factor and we mm -hmm. had friends coming on. I'm like, your website sucks, your website sucks, your website sucks. They're like, oh, can you build me a new one? Can you build me a new one? I'm like, okay, everyone needs one. So I'll just like, I went to my CTO and just whip together something fast. It's gotta be 95 out of 100 on mobile and I want 100 of 100 on the desktop test. Yeah. So out of the box, when you plug it in, you're gonna be guaranteed 95 out of 100 page score on mobile and 100 out of 100 on desktop. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, so Nigel, uh, this is, his question is what prompted all this. So now that we talked about Google Ads, uh, what should you focus on, manual CPC or maximize conversion? That is not a question for me because I'm not a Google Ads expert, mm -hmm. and on, I don't like to answer questions on things I'm not an expert on. Yeah, um, manual CPC is great if you get all the time in the world, right? Yeah. If you can use third-party tools, because I used to do all my own PPC management. Yeah. If you use third-party tools, they can probably do it better than Google will. Because uh, Google will find a way to spend all your money. I promise yeah. you that. Um, so maximize conversion. I think you've got less time, but you've got all the time in the world, and you got the the wherewithal. Manual is great, but you need the time <laughs> and the and the mental performance. I will contribute one core insight on mm -hmm. this. Okay, again, I'm not a Google Ads expert. I don't like to talk about things that I'm not a subject matter expert on. But I will say the biggest mistake I see in this industry today on the lead gen side of things. Everyone, everyone is preaching and bragging about their cost per lead. Mm -hmm. You know how much, you know how useful that metric is? Uh, in the grand scheme of things, not that useful. It's completely worthless, mm -hmm. completely worthless. There's only two metrics that matter in this business, okay? This is like, if you're watching this at home, and this is the only thing you take away from this show, and you, you don't have to buy investment, you don't have, like, I don't care. This is, this is how we scale companies to a million dollars plus a month, even $2 million plus a month. All you gotta focus on is increasing your return on ad spend for every dollar we plug in marketing. How many do we get back? Mm -hmm. Okay, ROAS is king, number one. And number two, decreasing your cash conversion cycle. When you plug a dollar into marketing, how many days does it take you to get back? Mm -hmm. If you just keep on working every day on increasing your return on ad spend and decreasing your cash conversion cycle, and you just work on just 1% improvement a day. Mm -hmm. You're gonna just destroy it. Absolutely destroy it. And this is that Wall Street speak. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll, I'm gonna put this into a, a practical example, mm -hmm. okay? When we're working with the Targs team in, in California, let's say we had a, a lead and uh, hypothetically the lead is in Santa Monica property, let's say 1.6 million ARV, you know, prime location, uh, it's uh, inherited by some guy that lives in New York City. He's got tons of money, doesn't really care about. The house is full of junk, packed to the ceilings. And he searches for how to sell an inherited home fast for cash. Mm -hmm. And that lead comes in. Now, on a, on a deal like that, in that area, we're probably going to be looking at a $100,000 assignment fee. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, my question for you is, okay, first of all, if I had a stack of those leads, how many leads do you think it would take your team that were like that to close a deal? If they were Googling that word. And that was the situation. If they're Googling that word, one and two. One and, and two. the worst case scenario, one and two. Okay. So you have a 50% chance of making $100,000. Right. And I'm just saying this for if you guys want to Google later, later right? Long tail keywords, right? If it's a long tail keyword, it's a hot long prospect. Tail, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you have a 50% shot, a coin toss at making $100,000. Yeah. Would you pay $1,000 for that lead? 
I would pay more than a thousand bucks for that lead. How much would you pay for that lead? Well, I mean, long-term expected value is 50,000 to break even. Jackpot. Yeah. You answer that question faster than anyone I've asked. The theoretical game theory value of that lead is 50,000. You yeah. should be, you should be willing to pay up to $50,000 for that lead. Now you obviously got, that's theoretical. In reality, you got to back out. You want to make some profit. Risk. Overhead. Risk, overhead. Yeah. But let's say it was 25,000. Mm-hmm. Would you buy that lead? I'd pay 10,000 right now without hesitation. Yeah. If I had that right now, yeah. I'll give you the phone number right now. Yeah. I'll pay 10,000 for that. 10 grand. Yeah. Wire it to me right now yep. in a heartbeat. Yeah. Okay. Now, what if I could t- tell you, you could buy that lead for $2,000. Of course. Smoking hot deal, right? Right. How many people out there are willing to spend $2,000 for a lead? Hardly anybody. Jackpot. Yeah. So that's where we come in. We don't, we don't care. Everyone is like, oh, I'm going to do you know, total nationwide PPC and super low cost per lead. And I, I look at my cost per lead is $40. And I'm just laughing at them because I'm like, yeah, but how much are you netting per month? Yeah. I guarantee you're not doing like, you know, more than a few hundred. You can do that. That does work. That is a strategy mm-hmm. that works. But the problem with that is you're going to burn out your sales team really quickly. You're going to need a really big team operate like that because you're going to be churning doing 10k pops versus i would rather if you want ferrari deals and ferrari assignment fees you gotta be willing to buy some ferrari leads so i would rather pay whatever it takes to go get those ferrari leads in an area like california or seattle or washington dc or areas like that and be making fifty hundred thousand dollar assignment fees with a very small team you know it's interesting because brandon bateman was on the show yeah and he does um PPC management. Yeah. And he says like most people are focusing on the wrong details. Yes. He says that what he looks at is here's how much this lease should cost. And if we can pay less than that, we're paying that. Mm-hmm. If here's how much this lease should cost and people are bidding more than that, we're not going to bid yeah. on it. And it's very similar here. What we do is we reverse engineer. Mm-hmm. We use third grade math to destroy the competition. Okay. Yeah. I'm dropping bombs. Maybe I shouldn't be dropping these, this level of game on the yeah. show, but you can go into the keyword planner and see exactly what the bid low and the bid high is mm-hmm. for a click. Yeah. Okay. So if you think about return ad spend, how to calculate return ad spend, how do you calculate return ad spend? Revenue yep. divided by cost. Divide by cost. Okay. So revenue on the revenue side of things, what we found in the data is that the average assignment fee across the board is typically between eight and 12% of the average sale price for flips in that market. Yeah. Okay. So you take the average sale price, Top teams with really good acquisitions, really good dispo, they're gonna be on that 12. We're talking about major markets. If you're in like small crappy markets doing like 100K a pop, then yeah, you're gonna be up in the 20s, but that's mm-hmm. you're still making five, ten thousand dollars assignment fees. Like right. you're like, oh, my percentage is up. I'm like, yeah, but you're like, you're doing junk. It doesn't count. Okay, but on average in a major market, you're gonna be eight to 12. And so let's just say it's 10%, okay? So let's say the average sale price for a property in a market we're going into is. 500,000, so how much is our average assignment fee? So it was 500,050 probably, so 58 to 52. Yeah, 10% of 500,000, we should be, let's just say it's 10%, keep the math easy, we should expect Mm 50,000. Okay, so then on, so we know where our revenue is gonna be. Now we gotta figure out what is gonna be the cost per deal for keywords. You can go into Keyword Planner, type in a keyword, you see the bid low, the bid high for that MSA, and if the bid high, that's what you're going to be paying if you have a crap website. Mm-hmm. Remember I was talking about page speed and mm-hmm. all that? 
that's what you're gonna be paying. What we found is we can actually look at the bid low, which is sometimes a third, sometimes even a quarter of mm -hmm. the bid high, and bid just a couple dollars more than that and take over the top position for that keyword. Got okay. It. So let's say it's ten dollars per click for a keyword. Okay. So we know we can get clicks for ten dollars. What let's say on a keyword like cash home buyer probably one in 10 in a hot market mm -hmm. is gonna to convert to a lead where we're gonna get the contact info. Yeah. So we're paying $10, we're converting 10%. What's our cost per lead? $100. $100, okay. Now let's say, uh, let's say one in 10 of those leads were closing and turning into a deal. What's our cost per deal? $1,000. So we take now ROAS, revenue divided by cost, what's our return on ad spend? 50. 50X, Yeah. right? So uh, most teams that I see are only getting four to six X return on ad spend. Mm -hmm. The top investor lift teams are 10 to 20 X return on ad spend. How do we do that? Keyword by keyword, city by city, doing the third grade math to find the market asymmetries that haven't been exploited and then exploiting the hell out of them yeah. to go do massive numbers. I taught this to Josh Cohen. He came in on investor lift. He had some old leads um, he was doing luxury development where he would buy like $400,000 houses, scrape them down to the foundation and then build like $2 million houses there. Mm -hmm. So we still had some data and I, he was trying to get out of it during COVID. And I said, dude, you start wholesaling. He came on, he did a really good first month. He did 179,000, I think his first month. And he started getting rolling with PPC. He really wasn't getting any traction. And like three months later, he's like, dude, I think I might be out. This is not working. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not a Google ads expert, but like, how are you thinking about Google ads? And he's just talking about cost per lead, cost per lead, cost per lead. Oh, check out my cost per lead is so low. I'm like, yeah, but what percentage of your leads are you throwing in the trash? Yeah. Where are these leads coming in from? And they're all like in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, dude, this is stupid. And I, I'm like, here's how you got to think about return ad mm -hmm. spend. I'm like, okay, first of all, we're going to go to InvestLift, find all the cities where the hedge funds are buying. We're going to make a list. There's our list of the cities. Now let's look at your top performing keywords. There's our keywords. And then one by one, let's run this third grade math. He plugged that in. Uh, he spent an entire weekend doing it. Like he's like, dude, I was up to like 4 a.m. three nights in a row just mm -hmm. plugging the numbers. The next week, he got a quarter million dollars of assignments under under contract. Yeah. And then two or three weeks later, he called me up. He said, Robert, I just did my first quarter million dollar day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's just breaking it down to the fundamentals. Run your business like McDonald's. Think about the fundamentals. Elon Musk does the same thing. Mm -hmm. What are the fundamentals of your business? How can you use third grade principles to just focus on doing those fundamentals better than anyone else? Now, I know that we did this show to announce our partnership. Yes. But I think everyone should go back and watch this whole thing about <laughs> return on ad spend, right? No one's thinking about it. Because the math is simple, right? It may take a while to kind of like work it all out. Yeah. But the math is simple enough that everyone can do this if they're doing, I'm sorry, if you guys are doing Google pay-per-click, go back and watch this part. Yeah. Right. And it applies to marketing in general, but Google pay-per-click is the, is the, the king of direct response marketing, right? Like yeah. that, if you can conquer Google, everything else will work itself out. But Google pay-per-click is the king of direct response marketing. I'm going to drop one more thing here. Yeah. There's not a single client on InvestLift doing over half a million dollar a month, dollars per month that isn't spending at least 90% of their budget on one channel, and that's Google Ads. Yeah. So if you're not on Google Ads, you haven't figured it out yet, you gotta figure it out, or you're gonna be left behind. Yeah. 
I mean, that's, that's a powerful, powerful statement, and I, I don't think you're off base here. So, uh, so Tony York back on YouTube. How can I become a cartel boss for Montana? <laughs> for Montana, uh, send me some HUDs showing you're doing a quarter million dollars a month, and get three endorsements from other cartel bosses, and we'll, we'll get you rock and rolling. And I can vet for that, right? Like, you know, that, that he, he vets people, you know? Yeah. Because um, uh, my name apparently was put up for like, hey, is Steve Trang someone we should invite <laughs> in the cartel? And I get a call from a few of my friends like, hey, uh, you're thinking about joining us? So uh, yeah, he yeah. will vet you. He even vetted me. I was kind of surprised. So yep. um, everyone gets vetted. <laughs> no one's above it. So uh, AB on Instagram, how do you decentralize when you're becoming centralized? That's an interesting question. I don't quite understand it. So maybe. Yeah. So we're not becoming centralized in the. Okay. So if you think about the other players like OfferPad and them, it's top down. So when OfferPad or Open Door, someone wants to launch into a market, what do they have to do? Build an office, hire employees, launch marketing campaigns. I've been through their office. I got chewed out by Open Door. So really? I, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I walked <laughs> through their office. They're like, hey, we need to have a sit down with you. And uh, yeah, it, it was not a fun conversation. But they showed me the office. They showed me all the staff. It's like, yeah. here's all my company, and here's all the resources that you and your company are wasting. It's like, oh. wow. <laughs> so that was not a fun conversation. But these things happen, right? They happen. Uh, so anyway. I, Yes, so they do have to have an office. Yeah, the the it's one guy at the top making the decisions, planning the strategies, and and then everything rolls downhill from yeah. you know the CEO and the decisions he makes. Conversely, on investor lift, we're just nodes on a network. Mm -hmm. Okay, much like blockchain is different nodes on a network. Napster, you know, uh, torrents, different computers all contributing. Mm -hmm. Every single person that operates on investor lift is just a node on the network. Okay. Right. And we're just the data layer and the software layer to allow those nodes to collaborate, just like a torrent website. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a cool new song that I just downloaded from my CD, mm -hmm. and the CD just dropped. And I used to torrent so much stuff. Like I think I had one terabyte, which was like a lot back in the day. Yeah. Of music. I put it up. I share it from my node, and other people can access that node. We're doing the same kind of thing with data. I skip trace a buyer, verify the phone number, mm -hmm. all the other nodes get it as well. Yeah. So we're just collaborating together like a real cartel mm -hmm. to make everyone better off. I'm not saying I was on LimeWire, but I know people that were, you know, and they, and they upload a lot of movies. Yep. And video games. <laughs> they might have found some stuff on Torrent on Pirate Bay. I don't know. Um, so. <laughs> Love it. Decentralize is great. Yeah. Uh, so Jason Gaber on YouTube, how do you pay for dispositions people? Or how do you pay your dispositions people? How do I pay my dispositions for people? I don't have any. So how do people in cartel or in investor life in general Here's pay the dispositions people? My thoughts on compensating teams. Have a really small team of gladiators and pay them really well. So I find like the best people that come into this business don't have real estate backgrounds. Like I remember when I was expressed the entire team originally was all realtors and they're all freaking lazy. They would take two hours for lunch. Okay. I come in and I'm like, Brad, this is insanity. We're spending millions of dollars on marketing. And these leads are sitting in their CRM for two, three hours before they get responded to. That your close rate on a lead drops down 21x from minute one to minute five. If you wait more than five minutes to respond from a lead, especially a Google ad lead, they've already moved on to the next guy. Right. So like respond. So for you. I'm like, this is stupid. We have all these lazy people and they're making like nothing, like pretty much McDonald's salary plus a little bit of commission. Um, so we cycled out that entire team, brought in a whole new team of like professionals. And what I found is like the best people come from things like car sales, window sales, types of industries that where there's a lot of high frequency transactions, 
where you're not having to teach them to be a salesperson. They already have a decade of sales experience doing thousands of sales in some other industry. But those people, like, let's say you're working at BMW and you're a top salesperson for BMW. How much are you making per year? Uh, if you're in BMW, I don't know, 130, 140? Probably at least, right? Yeah. So if I want to go poach you from BMW and I offer you 50 grand, are you going to come? Hell no. Hell no. So what you got to do is come in with a game plan, a, a basically a proposal for them on how they can double their salary. Yeah. So a guy like that, you know, let's say he's working at BMW, he's making like 120, 140. You can't come in and offer him a low base because he's got a mortgage payment, he's got car payments, he's got you know a lifestyle, he's got to at least have some guaranteed lifestyle. So you're gonna have to give him probably like 85, 90 base, but then you got to put together a comp package where he can make 300,000. Yeah. And there's guys on teams that work for investors like you know, salespeople, dispo people that make quarter million dollars a year, but they freaking crash it. They move millions of dollars of deals. And this goes back to something I said before, totally unrelated to this specific uh, conversation, but n there's nothing wrong with working for someone else, right? No. If you can make a quarter million work for somebody else. Yeah, you would do it for three years, right? Yeah. If you can make a quarter million work for somebody else, like. You're educated. You're, you're getting paid in education. You're getting paid to learn off of someone else's money. Yeah. Uh, Kendall on YouTube, are these buyer websites with investor lift or seller websites? So I'm guessing he's talking about the landing pages for, uh, home sellers to register. Um, the websites are for sellers. Yeah. So motivated. Sellers. So imagine like, like offerfast.com, you get a website like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then on the, uh, dispo side, all your deals get posted on to investorlift.com. If you do move up to one of those higher tiers, you get your own branded version of InvestorLift. Mm -hmm. Okay, but you'll start off all your deals posted on InvestorLift.com, but you do get your own unique motivated seller site, just like Carrot or something like that. And then our uh, Tony York on YouTube, our commercial properties also being sold on InvestorLift. There are some, yeah. We do give you the ability to post commercial and people are moving commercial and also moving portfolios of deals and even land deals, people are moving. Mobile home parks, all, all sorts of stuff. We uh, don't care what it is. It's a widget. You can put any widget you want. And uh, Tacticus wants to know, you're paying hedge fund rates? I guess I'm not sure. Uh, are you beating BlackRock? I guess is kind of the question. And no. So I, we don't buy any properties ourselves. Right. What we would do, so for example, we just did a deal last week with a hedge fund. We're building special software for the hedge funds now to buy from all the wholesalers. Mm -hmm. So this company is going to be buying two up to $2 billion of homes off InvestorLift over the next 12 months. And it's not us buying them, it's the hedge fund. We're just building software for both sides. We're building software for the wholesalers and we're also building software for the hedge funds. Right. And then we're building algorithms that match the two together. So when you have a deal, guess what? You can go sell it to a hedge fund really fast, but and we this, don't buy any homes ourselves. And this kind of goes back to, right? Um, the problem we were trying to solve, you, started, you started with all the uh, all the buyers. Yeah, I started with all the wholesalers. Yeah, and so you got all the buyers, and now with all the buyers, you got more wholesalers, and they got more wholesalers. You can get go get more buyers. Yep, chicken egg. Yeah, so you went for a chicken, I went for the egg. <laughs> yeah, we went. We attacked it from different uh, yep. different sides. So, yep. but, that's but now that. we're partnered together, and we're gonna put the two together. And it's yep. gonna be amazing. That's the way. That, that's the way it goes, right? So, um, again, you know, guys, I'm excited for this venture. Uh, you know, we're partnering up. Uh, I didn't expect this. I mean, when we first met uh, like a year plus ago, it's like, yeah. you know, hey, we're going to be doing business <laughs> together. But I am and beyond excited. So what we're going to do is you brought something here for me. This to is this is the agreement to acquire 
Real estate. Aquafest. Oh, sorry, ah, real estate disruptors. No, you can keep. No, no, I'm real estate disruptors. We're not there yet. This is uh, the agreement to officially acquire OfferFast. So yeah. after we sign this, uh, OfferFast is officially part of InvestorLift. History in the making right now. History in the making. Two titans go. getting together. Press hard, there's four copies. Oh, yeah, Mont Black. Nice. <laughs> And also, Steve is also coming on the board of advisors as well. So uh, he's going to be advising us and working with us closely as we try to just completely change the game and build the decentralized, most decentralized, most powerful home buying and selling platform in the entire world. Yep. It's official. It's official. Congratulations. Let's go. So let's see. There's no more questions here. So um, guys... Again, if you got value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment on this. It helps us with the algorithms. We just spent 15 minutes talking about algorithms. Yeah. I don't say this, uh, you know, uh, only for me, right? Like helping the algorithms helps us reach more people. We will create more millionaires. Uh, we do have our all day sales training on December 10th. If you guys have not checked that out, DM me sales uh, or, you know, go here. You get $500 off if you guys sign up right now. And then, um, what are some last thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? I think we've talked all about a lot of stuff at the high level, like for guys that, you know, typically we specialize in working with companies that are doing quarter million dollars a month and trying to scale to a million, two million a month. But there's probably also a lot of people that are watching that uh, maybe are just getting started. And my advice to those people is, um, Read a book by Phil Knight called Shoe Doc. Really good book. And the one yeah, key thing that I got from Phil Knight that was really incredible and always stuck with me because there's so many times where like, this was a lot of work. We were grinding like for years trying to build this thing. Um, and I see a lot of wholesalers, the same thing. They come in, they're trying to wholesale, they get one deal, and then it's like dry spelt for like six months. So I remember Nick Perry said he went on like 170 appointments before he got his first deal. But at the end of the day, here's the thing you don't fail until you give up okay you don't fail until you give up when i was working at express and we were doing all these flips i could have easily just been like you know what screw it i'm just gonna call some wall street bank and just go back to the grind and i would probably still be sitting there working at a wall street bank today grinding 100 hours a week probably be on my second or third wife by now and yeah i might have an aston martin but like if i want an aston martin today i could just buy one cash and I can work whenever I want and take vacations and things like that. Um, but it's a grind. Uh, I remember when I was first starting my business, someone told me, they said, starting a business is going to be the hardest thing you ever do in your life. And I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, maybe for you, but not for me, <laughs> you know, just arrogant, young, cocky. I was, I made the same mistake. Yeah. It is so freaking hard. Yeah. It's so freaking hard, but you just got to keep on pushing. Just keep on grinding. Try to get 1% better per day. Mm-hmm. If you just get one percent and focus on the basics, focus on don't worry about building out your CRM and like all I see people like they come in the business and they're like I'm gonna do SEO I'm gonna build up my CRM I'm gonna have Salesforce I'm gonna have this dialer I'm gonna I'm like dude just like get your cell phone in Excel and mm -hmm. a list and start dialing like you don't need all the fancy toys okay just focus on like the basics communication things like that get the fundamentals down 
run your business like McDonald's, right? A McDonald's, a 15 year old can come in and run the entire operation. Mm -hmm. They've streamlined every single process. Yeah. If you want to get rolling, you want to have success, or if you're already having success, and you want to get to a million dollars per month or $2 million per month or $10 million per month. You just got to simplify everything and just focus on the basics, focus on the fundamentals and then do not give up. You don't fail until you give up and right before you're about to give up. That's usually when you have your biggest breakthrough. Yeah, it's powerful. If uh, someone wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? So I used to say Facebook, but Facebook, I'm just getting bombarded with like Forex and VAs and stuff. So I'm now probably more accessible through Instagram. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause I have less people following me. <laughs> I only have like a thousand followers or something. I got so, a team that can help you with that. Well, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's give it to 10,000. <laughs> um, so Robert Wensley, uh, on, on, uh, Instagram, uh, I'm on TikTok too. I just post like some travel stuff, but if you like seeing travel stuff, Robert M Wensley on TikTok, someone stole Robert Wensley. I was really pissed about that. I'm going to try buying that, but yeah, Robert M Wensley, TikTok, Robert Wensley, on Instagram and Robert Michael Wensley on Facebook. You can connect, reach out on Facebook as well. Um, just I'm my inbox is bombarded on Facebook. So uh, also if you have any questions about InvestorLift, my team is actually online right now to answer any questions you have. So you can go to um, the website. I believe there should be a blue button in the bottom right hand corner that you can talk on chat. I believe if not email support at InvestorLift.com, support at InvestorLift.com. I got three um, amazing customer support people that are on right now. And any questions that I didn't answer right now, if you have those questions, don't leave them. Just pop open your phone right now, open email, support on investorlift.com, send them your question. And our average response time is like a minute and 43 seconds right now. It's wow. really fast. Wow. I might get flooded right now because I know a lot of people watch the show. So yeah. it might be a little bit longer, but we'll get back to you right away. That's an incredible response time. Yeah. And a hundred of a hundred customer support. That's phenomenal. Yes. I mean, that is something yeah. that you can hang your hat on. That's something like, you know, a Nordstrom's, a Costco, right? Like that's how you thrive. Yeah. Like usually if you can keep the customers happy, you have customers for life. Yeah. I always say if I have a customer, I want to keep them for life. Yeah. So that's, no that's admirable because that's not how everyone runs their business. Yeah. But the ones that do, they're the ones that succeed. Look at Zappos, look at Amazon. Right. Well, I, I mean, study those and just apply Zappos wrote a whole book about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I study happiness. that book. Yeah. It's an amazing book. If my my customer support team when they come on I'm like you gotta study this and also disney if you look at disney yeah um my wife uh she runs our customer support team and she actually studied under the head of customer experience at for disney mm. so he taught her and then she in turn teaches everyone else so so if i go to investorlift.com right now yes and i want to order a pizza <laughs> we might send you a pizza <laughs> that's awesome thank you love it congratulations so thank you man i'm excited i'm very excited so so we're this, gonna, the this... whole industry is going to change after this yeah like, after uh, this episode drops yeah let's go all right thank let's you guys for watching see you guys next week see ya. <laughs>